0: Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategy Podcast. Today, I have with me Sachin Sinha. Sachin is, uh, is somebody who spent uh, almost a decade uh, in the internet industry. He's worked across multiple different organizations and companies and uh, really built their uh, sales and BD functions from scratch. And not just that, he's also been uh, a 2X Entrepreneur, if I'm right, Sachin? Is yep. that right? Uh, one yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, he's also been an ex-entrepreneur and uh, he brings that wider uh, approach to uh, to running an organization than just uh, you know a peculiar sales experience. So we're going to talk about a lot of things at length uh, with Sachin, but primarily the idea is to, you know with, with every episode at the Strategy Podcast, uh, our core ethos is to teach something you know. So we're going to spend time learning from Sachin, you know, what it takes to create an remarkable career in the field of sales uh, and his own personal journey um, in the last 10 years that that he has gone through. So with that, Sachin, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. And I'm super, super excited to be speaking with you.
1: Uh, Thank you, uh, Rohit. Thank you so much for having me here. And uh, uh, so I I understand that, okay, I don't know. I mean, initially when we had connected, I was like really skeptical about what exactly I'm going to uh, teach the podcast uh, listeners (laughs) or anything that I have to share. But yeah, based on a conversation that we had, uh, which was interesting, and I myself realized, okay, uh, probably I take some things for granted, uh, something which... I have been through the journey, so it comes by default to me, but not for everyone. That could be still a learning for somebody, actually.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, with that, my first question to you would be uh, to kind of pick in from the uh, from the point of uh, introducing yourself uh, and really uh, help help people understand, uh, you know, who you are. So if you would like to introduce yourself to the creed sure. to our tribe of listeners, that will be great. Sure. Uh, so I'm just another sales guy, to be
1: honest. But yeah, so I've, my sales journey has been uh, interesting uh, in the sense that I worked mostly with early stage startups. Uh, just to give a background, little background about where I come from. So I originally belonged to Bihar, uh, but I haven't uh, spent much time there. I have been uh, in all parts of India, more so in Northeast, so I did my schooling from there and moved on to Delhi and then to Bangalore, and yeah, all over the place basically. So, uh, as a, a professional, I have been uh, like as, as Rohit mentioned, I am a sales professional, uh, been working with early stage startups, yeah, and uh, been a very uh, keen technology enthusiast uh, in terms of uh, learning about new technologies, and of course, uh, uh, whatever kind of comes up in the sales domain as well is of interest to me.
0: Awesome. So one of the biggest challenges that I see early stage startups kind of going through is landing that first customer, and then also figuring out how to build a sales process from scratch. You've done it multiple times. Why don't you, uh, you know, take us through a couple of personal examples on the challenges that you faced when you did it for the first time? Did you have mentors or people helping you to figure out that process? so really if you can take that
1: sure uh so my sales journey started back in 2009 uh again i, I am a reluctant salesperson to start with so sales is something which doesn't come naturally to me as well uh, but i've learned through the process i have my own way to kind of sell or own processes to sell or how to make a sale but uh, I, so i started in 2009 with a very early stage startup called uh serve so it was back in the day when Zomato was doing a menu listing and we were trying to enable users to order food through a mob- mobile app. Uh, and uh, that was where my sales journey started uh, in terms of uh, we were trying to sell restaurant subscription, uh, sorry, uh, food delivery subscription solutions to uh, restaurants, as in they could uh, get orders from us. What Swiggy and Zomato are doing basically right now? So that's what we were trying to do. And that's how my journey started in sales. Hmm and post that yeah of course a lot of different examples but I mean the key things uh, in generally what I saw was that okay the reason why people don't want to uh, I mean people are skeptical of uh, kind of talking to a salesperson is because a lot of hard selling happens specifically in India market so that's what I try to refrain from and uh, and also I started learning more about uh, psychology so uh, so in terms of how what drives people to buy a product or a service or anything so uh, that kind of driven me uh, drove me towards a uh, thinking that the more you push towards uh, push a product to the people uh the more they'll resist in buying that product unless it's a must-have product something like that so uh, you have to of course let them know that the the, the product exists uh, and it's a good product and you can go and on about the like the features of the product but it's more like introducing somebody to a concept and trying to say that, okay, this is going to be helpful, but then take a step back and wait for the other party to respond as well. So the more you push, the more resistance is going to grow in the other party. So that's been my uh, own learning. And that's why what I have been doing for the last 10 years. So, of course, I I do pitch people. Uh, I'm a salesperson, so I have to do that as a part of the job. But then I take a step back and try to understand what exactly is their problem as well. Or does my product solve their problem? If not, then I go back to my product team and say that okay, this is what my customers need, and it works more like both ways uh, in terms of
0: sales. So you talk about you being a you being a reluctant salesperson, yeah, <laughs> uh, which which means kind of kind of uh, you know stepping back from that usual uh, hard sell approach where you're trying to shoving a, shove a product down somebody's throat to taking a more calculated approach. Where you're trying to empathize with with your buyer, get into his shoes, look at his worldview, and then craft your words in a way that helps him reflect in, in the backdrop of his own knowledge. Is absolutely correct? absolutely
1: i mean uh, and more so in today's times personalization is something what everybody likes right so you reaching out to anybody and personalizing your message or uh, content around that uh, that is what, what is going to get you the next conversation and almost always what i've learned also when the sales cycles are very long uh, specifically the kind of customers i've dealt in the latter part of my career where i have done deals uh, which has been spread across like six months one year even two years and uh these are like very large enterprises so the deal is not going to close in one month or even one uh, quarter right so you have to build on that and try to build a relationship with the prospect uh and and then and then make it, you'll make a sale eventually because if you uh, are able or accessible to that other person all the time and i mean available uh, in terms of helping them uh, at some point of time if they decide to buy a product like yours uh, you'll be the first person they'll uh, talk to so you have to work uh, towards building a relationship rather than just making a one-time sale. So that's what I have. So in terms of reluctance, I meant that I didn't want to go the usual way of selling a product or a service where and people are hating to pick up my call or people are just avoiding, trying to avoid me. So I, even I ask straightforward questions in terms of, hey, uh, if not now, when next? So or you always have to work on the next steps. Like in terms Mm. of uh, next step could be if you are giving a, let's say you are meeting for the first time, your next step should be, can I show you a demo or when can I show you a demo? If Mm. you're showing a demo, the next step should be, okay, can we do a proof of concept with your company Uh, or what will, what will the next step? I'm basically ask them. So Mm. it kind of drives the conversation both ways and other party also likes, okay, these I'm actually being pampered and uh, I am uh, in charge of things (laughs) In, in a way you can say that. So so that's one, one of the things I've learned uh, in my journey as well.
0: I have a couple of friends who are salespeople. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I've also read a lot of literature around sales. And being an entrepreneur myself, I've also done uh-huh. uh, sales many a times in the last decade. And I see um, there is a differentiation in the market in terms of selling to a consumer. Versus selling to a business, and you've kind of had a lot of experience selling to businesses. Right. But I always feel, even when you are selling to a business, it's just that individual that you are going to be interacting with. Of course, there's going to be, there could be multiple different uh, decision makers. The, the guy who owns the budget and the guy who is going to use the product may not be the same. So uh, your approach needs to change as you navigate through that enterprise sales process. So take talk us, you know, take me through a very specific journey. Uh, In doing so, uh, an enterprise sale, uh, what are the things that I as a salesperson need to be aware about? It? And uh, how can I make sure or improve my chances of success? Uh, so so in enterprise sales, uh, I mean, it's completely different ballgame in
1: enterprise sales. And, and, and actually, since I've been in the enterprise sales game for a while now, uh, it comes a lot of things kind of, I take it for granted, and it comes naturally to me. But uh, I find the consumer sales, B2C sales very very difficult because you are trying to influence an individual and based on that you're trying to influence a bunch of individuals and so on with enterprise sales uh, of course because of my experience i feel lot in control so the I mean there are a few tick marks or check boxes that you have to of course do as i said like uh, you have to be personalized in terms of reaching out and uh, there's always a process around enterprise sales uh, whereas with a b2c sale uh, it's all a lot of times it's random at least that's what I my impression is as of now. Till I actually uh, kind of nail that part as well. So in a B2 B2B sale, uh, basically you are reaching out. Of course, uh, timing matters, uh, like in B, any any sale process, wherein uh, you are reaching out the right time. Uh, there there could be a scenario where you are not reaching out the right time in terms of the prospect has already purchased the product or pur- pur- the prospect has doesn't have a budget. So uh, so if I have to just uh, nail down it to like two three things uh so uh, one thing is you want to reach out to the right people or the right set of people uh and there's not going to be one person who is going to make a decision in a uh, enterprise sales typically uh, the and the numbers uh, which comes uh, which have been thrown up in reports is around uh 6.5 or 6 to 6.8 people uh, uh, kind of deciding on one enterprise buy
0: or one how so enter- many touch uh, touch points before you actually make the sale to an enterprise
1: uh i'm talking about number of people who would be in a decision making process uh, in an enterprise deal and we're talking about large enterprise and mid and large enterprise deal sizes where so uh, yeah
0: so just so i understand it you will have to go through seven different people before you yes close the yes yes so
1: that could be starting
0: with uh, the
1: and again as you said mentioned initially as well so the guy who is actually purchasing the product is not using the product the guy who is using the product is not the guy who is actually paying for that product so all of this uh, has dynamics have to be taken into consideration as well in enterprise sales because let's say a vp level guy might just be um, kind of uh, giving the budget for that Uh, and a tech guy would be only be deciding on the product but eventually there would be let's say some uh, executive um, senior analyst guy who's actually using the product so and you have to kind of get all the stakeholders uh, in your uh, like bucket as well in terms of uh, having that deal uh, for your company so it's not just one person who's going to sometimes uh, people take a top-down uh, approach uh, and think that okay if i get the buy-in at the top level uh, i might actually uh, land up the deal uh, you might still land up the deal, uh, deal deal in some cases but most cases it will turn off uh, because I know one of uh, my current company, Whatfix, When uh, I joined, we had one of the big uh, Fortune 10 companies as a customer, and uh, these guys paid like thousands of dollars for a product, our uh, product, but they never mm-hmm. used it.
0: Mm. Wow!
1: They never used it. It's a large Fortune 10 company. I mean, it doesn't matter to them like hundred, fifty thousand, thousand dollars. So they're like they bought it because the guy who actually made the decision to purchase the product was not the guy who was using the product. And the guy who was using supposed to be using the product, uh, he was not bought into the concept or the tool itself. Hmm. So, I mean, they never actually uh,
0: went ahead and uh, uh, launched it for their end customers as well. Oh, so that's that's such a big people challenge for you then, because yes. that will hurt your renewal in the long term. Of course, yeah, and you'll not be a sustainable company that way. Exactly, exactly. So, talk about talk about that process a bit more in detail into how can you. Um, you know create that buy-in is it about uh, winning the trust of the user Uh, or uh, how does that process go about
1: yeah so uh, as i said like so you have to give importance to each and every role who is supposed to be uh, engaged or involved with your product in some way Uh, of course procurement is at the end of the process that you reach but there will be mid between you have to take everybody into fold in terms of uh, uh, selling your product so it's not just uh, especially in today's times when we are all focused on SaaS and all, where you are not selling the product for one time. It's, it's mm. most most basically a AR. I mean, an annualized deal where you are getting the customers to pay you every year or every. Uh, I mean, every month in some cases as well. So you have to work on the entire cycle, or kind of dis, uh, you'll not reach each of one or each one of these people at one go, because the guy who is actually supposed to decide or evaluate the product will only keep the discussion to himself maybe uh, in some cases and eventually so it's not just the pre-sales process because most companies are very aggressive and good on the pre-sales process it's the post-sales process which matters in a SaaS kind of product
0: Okay. Well, Are we talking yeah. about customer experience?
1: Yes. Yes. Customer success, customer experience, whatever you call it. Today's times, there's a lot of fancy terms for it. But in simple terms, it's the post-sales support uh, or post-sales implementation that you guys help, uh, that you can help your customers with.
0: Yeah, kind of calculating NPS for every customer yes. and figuring out how many yes. of them would really recommend our product to other people. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Correct.
1: And, and the sales guys have to be involved even uh, post-sales as well. Uh, of, course, of course, the rules change like you might have an account management guy actually managing that part of it, but uh, some cases sales guys uh, also manage that part of it. But, so you have to have a business person uh, involved in this because when only tech people are helping the customers implement the product, they have a different view I mean for them it's a job for a yeah. sales guy it's revenue right so uh, I mean they they'll just help implement the product and they'll say, okay, we have done our job so <laughs> what do we, what do I, what more do I uh, do with this? But for a business person, uh, you think deeper about it.
0: Interesting. So the insight that I can gather from here is it's it's better to go have a cross-functional team kind of taking yes. forward yes. and dealing with every customer. So you have everybody coming to kind of coming on and uh, being on the same page, at least internally, your technology guy, your marketing guys, uh, the business people and the sales guys all being together and figuring out the needs and the long-term relationship that we want to have with the with the customer is yes that right yes of
1: course in a large very large or large enterprise deals you want to have all of these people maybe smb deals uh, yes you can have just one rep uh, who is actually representing a company post sales but in enterprise deals if you want to keep uh mining that account or that company uh, as a business you'll have to uh, engage different stakeholders uh, as well
0: you know i want to shift gears now sure and uh, one part of the podcast is about uh, kind of figuring out career options mm-hmm. so uh, the reason i i'll tell you the reason i started this podcast is because i just closed my last startup and i was exploring what are the next thing because i didn't want to go back into what i used to do so i'm a core finance guy that's what that's where i've spent a lot of my uh building building you know building years right uh, and now when i kind of figured out that's not something i want to do with the long term and shift gears i wanted to explore different careers so You know, one thing that has caught my attention a lot is sales and marketing. Actually, and I was Mm -hmm. I did a small internship as well uh, in sales, Mm -hmm. working for somebody a B two B SaaS startup, and I figured out figured out okay, this is not something that's really interesting for me. But for those who are looking to make a career in sales and just putting getting their first steps into the game, Mm -hmm. how would you ask them to evaluate themselves uh, against established parameters? uh, and also, um, you know, create remarkability in their work, because how do they stand out against everybody else who's also trying to maybe target the, the same, same set of customers to upsell or cross sell? So if I'm a new guy coming in, thinking about building a career in sales, what would you say to him? How should he start and how should he break down and kind of, you know, yeah. have, have that first principles approach to kind of crafting his career? Sure, uh,
1: I I don't know I'm not no expert on this, but whatever I've learned uh, is all on based on my experience. So uh, I I started with field marketing, uh, mm. uh, right? I went into the field, so uh, and I had like and you, all your hesitation goes away when you go into the field and talk to people. Mm. It, it's it's uh, really a kind of a refresher, kind of a course for course for me. And I was before that uh, my sales experience I was into tech as in like i was more into support and tech and all that stuff so where i was not kind of i was of course i was talking to customers but i was talking on, talk to the talking them on the phone uh, most of the time a majority of the times at least and when i actually started so today's times of course that is uh, not a scenario which works out generally but because you have more avenues or more options in terms of uh, entering the sales uh, domain where uh, of course in the uh, in a SaaS kind of technology kind of domain uh, all everybody should start with a basic like bdr or like business development business dev rep or sales dev rep where you are trying to call customers so calling mm-hmm. cold calling uh, cold emailing is where everything starts. Even in today's times, as much as uh, technology has come in, everything has come in. You still have to write good uh, cold emails and good uh, make good cold calls to get your prospects interested. That yeah. that's a very, and that's very simple to do as well, right? So you basically so what I learned is that uh, my journey started, of course, with field sales, uh, where I was just going and meeting people at restaurants and restaurant owners and. I went through that journey, which was again, uh, within six months or within less than six months, what I learned, uh, I could not have learned in two years. So that was a, a real eye opener for me in terms of, so everybody should start with the basics like cold email, cold call. If you know these these basics, you can get a role in any company. I'm, I'm talking mm. about any company, literally. any. All the best companies out there want these guys who are actually making uh, these uh, cold calls and writing cold emails. So that's your starting journey, the good, co- better copies you write in terms of uh, the content or the better responses you will get. And at some point of time, it gets exciting in terms of, okay, what do I, what do I tweak in the email or what do I tweak in that two minute call that gives me uh, uh, more leverage? in terms that of, Yeah, that edge. Mm-hmm. And maybe first couple of years, that's uh, how you start with uh, doing that, the basic sales role. And uh, the sooner you realize where your uh, expertise lie or what exactly is your style of selling because not everybody is comfortable with calls or not everybody is comfortable with just writing emails. So you have to make uh, make a good mix of that. LinkedIn is of course has helped in a big way in terms of uh, identifying the right prospects or right, identifying the right people. Uh, so I, I would say in today's times when you start with any sales role, these are the three basic things that any sales guy has to do and it could be any tech tech company, uh, more so tech because this, uh, I have been in tech, but uh, every company requires these kind of rules. So that's where you start in terms of uh, very basic uh, knowledge and and sales doesn't require. So generally what the perception has been with sales is that anybody can enter sales. Uh, so, so that's where the whole impression has been kind of uh, destroyed that, okay, I mean, if you can't do anything, just enter sales. So, but then again, it's the most difficult
0: thing as well, right? So, contrary to, to what is true, because the impact that, that that the sales team has, I think, is big, bigger than uh, the impact of any other team in the organization because of that threat one on one with the customer of
1: course so, so uh, what i realized very early like in uh, not really early but yeah more like uh, two three after two three years of experience that there are only two main functions in a company in a tech company more so because tech is my domain uh, what i have been involved with so there are only two main uh, domains or two many two functions in a company which has to be there at any point of time sales and t- uh, coding as in like what do you say engineering uh, departments the rest everything is all support Although uh, the HR guys might hate me here, the other departments might hate me here. But uh, if you imagine any company, how does it start? There's one guy who codes, writes the code. One guy who sells the code, or sells the software, basically, which works on the, which the code works on right and everything builds around that these two functions and supporting these two functions in terms of let's say hr marketing and marketing of course has bring, brought in more uh, leverage in terms of our companies to reach out to the prospects but again it uh, still starts with a cold email and a cold call and a guy somewhere writing code to enable that software
0: yes yes i think marketing amplifies your speech yes yes at least you have that narrative set before you enter the door with your prospect. I think that's the power of marketing, which I truly love about yes, it. Yes, of course.
1: So so that's how I kind of started as well. I, I mean, I realized, okay, I can't write code to save my life. So probably the next best thing I can do is uh, sell that code or sell uh, software. <laughs> wow. So it, it's very simple, basically.
0: Maybe, you know, if I just have to kind of synthesize or distill the key uh, learnings, i think one would be you need to be a great communicator both uh, verbally uh and in written communication so you need to learn that if you want to build a career in sales yes uh, what else what else would you be so if you're looking to hire people in your team uh, young yes. guys yes what kind of skills out are... if i don't have an experience in sales and I, I so for me uh-huh. right for i was i'm trying to switch my careers uh-huh. would you care enough to have somebody like me and if yes what, what would you be evaluating me on? Because I haven't made any sales so far, but I want to do this. So what should I present to you that convinces you, okay, okay, I, I think this is, I could give him a try.
1: Yes. Yeah, so for me, uh, it's more like personalized, uh, more more like that's the way I work. Uh, when I uh, hire a person or when I am supposed to kind of finalize a, can, a, candidate, a candidate for a particular candidate, what I look at is uh, attitude. I mean, if you uh, have the attitude to learn, uh, attitude to uh, kind of adjust uh, to things or try to adapt to things, uh, you can be successful in any environment, uh, any company or any kind of role as well. But let's say if you have decided, uh, so recently somebody uh, approached me on LinkedIn and he was like, that guy was like a fresher and he had done his uh, like graduation in economics And uh, when I actually talked to that person and then I I kind of told him that, hey, uh, all good. Uh, You want to enter sales, uh, but I see these things missing. So I I understand you have a good attitude. You you have enough knowledge to kind of uh, have a conversation with a prospect. But uh, I mean, some of the basics, the hard work, uh, hard yards that you have to do, are you ready for that? And that guy was like, no, I was looking at something like this because that's what it jobs there are so
0: can you be a little more specific there such what kind of things are you specifically talking about here like sure what what are there these are there any are these hard skills are these uh emotional uh, is this an emotional quotient that you're looking at what is it
1: so very basic terms let's say if i have to hire a guy the guy might have not done any sales in his life ever okay but if i have to judge that guy in terms of whether this guy can do well in sales i'll ask some ba- very basic questions i mean how uh, how do you kind of uh, i mean if you try to understand a guy's day to day activities what it, what exactly excites him or interests him or uh, basically ethical uh, i mean sales generally people perceive to be that okay you can over promise or do something uh, which over oh, promise and under deliver <laughs> and then So so if the guy is in that kind of a mode, I'll say no, he'll not. I mean, he might do some sales here and there. Uh, He might actually be uh, uh, like successful in some ways in his career as well. But I wouldn't hire that guy in terms of because I don't see a long term working relationship with that guy myself. So you don't have to lie to sell, right? So so if I have to look at very basic, uh, I look at attitude in terms of what the basic, uh, uh, I mean, uh, some basics, of course, I mentioned earlier, like uh, communication skills, uh, communicating through writing, communicating through your verbal communication, uh, or communicating even in terms of uh, reaching out to people as well, the way you reach out to people. So, uh, or maybe how do you follow, with, follow up with people? So first reach out, everybody does. How do you uh, plan a follow-up around that? Mm -hmm. So uh, do you have uh, enough uh, curiosity to learn about that particular prospect or that company to uh, go ahead and uh, pitch something else maybe? Yeah,
0: that's a great point.
1: So today you might, okay, company will give you some basic content and you can write a very good email based on that content and you'll start approaching people. Okay, some people will also be interested and reach out, say that, okay, I'm interested and let's have a conversation. But can you sustain that conversation? and you'll be able to sustain that conversation only when you are curious to learn about that company that product and uh, and the general atmosphere around yourself right so so uh, yeah i think we have nailed down the three skills communication verbal written uh, and the curiosity to kind of uh, go ahead and uh, learn more about the prospect and your uh, how do you kind of make that sale
0: okay i want to also talk a little bit about soft skills Sure. Uh, so when i say soft skills i'm talking about things that are more uh, um, internal to us mm-hmm. right things like things like attitude things like what do i how do i handle somebody uh who's maybe abusive or uh, somebody who might not be in in his best frame of mind at that point in time a customer yep. and he's being rude to me and how do i behave so all of those kind of go into the emotional bucket yes um, i think that's also a very important skill or thing to learn um, as you kind of going deeper into the into the sales process or yes. into that yes. that function, yes. is that true?
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, so that is uh, I thought it that was all, almost expected in any kind of job, but yeah, more so in sales because you'll uh, kind of come across different kind of people. So one thing I learned very early from one of my managers or bosses is that don't take it personal because mm-hmm. especially and more so in a startup because you'll be pitching to thousands of people and just one guy and you that you need that one yes that's it Uh, Mm. so in 100 calls that you make in a day 100 emails that you write in a one day if you get one response your day is worth it right you you'll still have 30 conversations uh, 20 conversations in 20 working days in a month right so th- that's how uh you should look at and uh, and you correctly mentioned that emotional quotient is very important uh, because you'll come across different kind of people and don't take it personal i mean if they are only abusing your or whatever abuse, abuse you can say that if you want to take it in a very positive way they're abusing your product maybe or your company or because he might have it a bad day or he or she might have had a bad day so again within a week uh, call them again or maybe so and if somebody says no I'm not interested don't reach out to them for maybe in the next three months three months again <laughs> so that's how we take it and never close a door hmm. never close a door so I have seen prospects where they have said a no and I would still ask them and uh, I'll still write a follow-up email and say that okay okay what made you decide on not buying a product or what made hmm. you which product other product did you buy what was better than our product to, that made you decide to buy that product so that kind of always keeping those uh, yeah.
0: lines of communication open, open. is yeah. very critical. Very critical. Very critical. Awesome, awesome. Okay, let's shift gears again sure. and talk about entrepreneurship. What you were always already, you know, thick in now, um, <laughs> right, right. That experience into sales probably were doing well. So you left that company and decided to um, start. Uh, what was it? It was uh, OxyBox. Box. Yeah, OxyBox. 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 So. Uh, what drove you to take the entrepreneurial plunge? Was it like, you know, it's it's time to, you know, jump into the ocean myself and start <laughs> swimming or uh, what happened? Uh, no, so I have
1: been with, uh, I mean, I have been trying different side projects uh, all the time, uh, like more than 10 years now. So I d- definitely wanted to get into entrepreneurship at some point of time. I didn't know when, when would be the right time because... You know, how, how i started pretty early in terms of working uh, on sales and all and then i came through different entrepreneurs different founders learned a lot from them so uh, when uh, i had this idea about uh, kind of uh, working in the retail domain so i started my first job basically as a part-time sales ex- executive in a retail store and i saw this problem of receipts uh, which was useless so and uh, i thought this was the right time 2017-18 when uh, everybody had a literally a smartphone in their hands and uh, that physical receipt could be replaced so that was idea was of course one thing the other part of it is where i was working with two very inspirational uh, founders uh, uh, which i was working at that point of time the company called Whatfix, and those guys were a real inspiration they still are and uh, and that's, that was one of the driving points as well. I mean, they were doing it and they were like, they've really seen a lot of struggle. And I thought, okay, maybe let's, let me also try it. So th- that was another trigger in terms of doing that. And the third trigger was uh, something of my own doing, wherein I was working on another idea, uh, something uh, which was into uh, basically alcohol uh, and parting space, as in like, but having something which Zomato gives as a part of the Zomato goal, this was way back in 2015 and all. So we, we had this idea to uh, kind of make, uh, have people uh, visit pubs and get one drink free for every drink they order, something like that, on a subscription model. And we started working on this in 2015. And it took us almost one, more than a year and year and a half to build that product, as in like an app and everything, the backend and all. And then we, and by the time we launched, actually Zomato launched, and of course, we were no, nowhere after that time. So we thought, okay, let's not make that mistake again. And uh, let's go full hog uh, and, and do this full time and try to see what happens. So these were the three few triggers which kind of uh, helped us kind of arrive at the decision and said that, okay, let's let's go ahead and do it. Hmm
0: and talk to me about the closure uh, when you had to when you finally decided it's not happening or the goals that you established didn't quite work out yeah. how was that moment for you did you feel dejected disappointed i guess you were better prepared than others because you were into sales you must have heard a lot yes. of snows in your life yes. did you think do you think that background helped you quickly transition out of it and go back into doing what you were doing before
1: uh not real quick but i am a very practical person otherwise as well generally so i realized uh, like after a year or so uh, we started seeing uh i mean not much traction in terms of uh, the way we wanted to i mean of course we had some customers some users uh, but we were not seeing the traction that would help us raise some sort of funds Uh, and we realized okay i mean in, in a startup you run out of two things either patience or money Right. And uh, or both maybe in some cases. <laughs> so we ran out of money in a couple of years. Uh, we realize OK, this can't uh, this particular idea that we are working on. Uh, it It's basically a habit changing uh, concept, uh, which requires a lot of funds to uh, to for users to kind of uh, enable them to use this product or at least let start letting letting them use this product and, and so the uh, as you said like so I had been this through journey through different startups I, and I, I had worked in the first job itself the startup closed up in two years as in like I was the first employee who joined I was the last employee who left so so I had been through that journey it was a little painful in terms of because you have spent so much of hard work hard like uh, burning the midnight oil, as so as to so as to call it, uh, but yeah, I realized okay, this was not working out, and uh, let's kind of move on, and uh, something else will come up. So uh, I I kind of decided in a couple of years uh, that okay maybe let let's let's give it some time, and we don't have the funds, of course, so we can't run it uh, the way we want to run it. So yeah, that's that's kind of uh, it just helps us kind of decide arrive at the decision and say that okay let's move on.
0: Hmm. interesting interesting okay i want to now kind of go back into um, uh, your sales journey uh-huh. and uh, talk about the importance of having a team when doing a sales so sure. how i understand how uh, probably a lot of people think about sales as a very individualized process so how does the team work uh, in, in sales together um, and if you can shed some light on it right yeah sure Uh,
1: So as a team, uh, so generally, I mean, uh, since my experience has been with startup, enterprises might work in a different way, I'm I'm guessing. Uh, So with startups, you have to let everyone be in their own space in terms of how everyone sells. Now, I have seen guys who uh, work like 10 hours, 12 hours, and then make a sale. And I have seen guys who work for four hours, and they'll not even turn up in office some days, and they'll still make a sale. Okay, Mm. so it's very individualized, like the way it works for everyone and uh, so you have to leave it to the other person and give more of responsibility rather than giving them uh, tasks or activities to do so so i with and with it's been uh, i have been uh, like uh, lucky enough to get founders who were uh like uh, confident enough to trust me in, in terms of so as all, so you give responsibility to people and say that okay hey this is what your territory is. this is what you need to do and uh, let me know and these are the guidelines just give them some basic guidelines and let them go ahead ha- go ahead and, and do this way they want to do that sale or do the process in their own ways so as a team you let everyone be uh, how it works uh, like that's how it, it has worked for me and of course uh, be a guiding light in terms of helping them uh, where they are stuck uh, if they are wavering from the guidelines in terms of where you want to reach them. Uh, ethical uh, Being ethical is the m- most important thing in sales as well, if, at least for me uh, to start with. You might still make a sale by lying somebody, but you might not retain that customer in the long term. Uh, and you'll destroy the equity of the company in the long term if you are, as I said, like, over-promising, under-delivering. So these are the few things I look for in a team. I mean, when uh, I built a team, uh, for example, and then, uh, yeah, it's it's more like that. Any specific qu- things that you would want to understand?
0: Uh, no, I think that was amazing. And I, and I believe, I truly agree with you when you say that you need to give people their own mind space to operate because everybody is wired differently and everybody looks at situations. And... Does different things to solve them, and that's the permutation combination that we must uh, allow to thrive in our organizations if we want to have a really powerful uh, team working together and achieving success together. Isn't that true? Yeah,
1: of course. I mean, this—that's the way it works, and and that's the best way. I, I at least I feel, uh, especially mid and early stage startups in enterprises might be there are like rules uh, which everybody has to follow, and which is essential as well, I guess, in a large setup. But in a small setup, probably you can experiment and everybody and you don't know which what way works as well in a startup.
0: You know, I want to explore this thread a little longer sure, uh, because, you know, in my interactions with my friends who are in in the sales domain Mm -hmm. and they're working for companies like, uh, you know, Microsoft and uh, uh, Gartner Mm -hmm. and my experience talking to them, uh, I I feel uh, I feel uh, on one part the organization invests a lot in their success right so they give them all the tools and things that they need uh, and then there are targets and expectations right because that's what a sales shop is all about you are given certain targets and you're expected to meet them if you don't meet them you're kind of out there left hanging out out there to dry so tell me a little bit about that So do you think that's a bit harsh or do you think it's good to have targets and if you're not achieving those targets then there's something that you need to internally evaluate within you uh and then have that that you know broad and honest conversation with your peers on how can what can i what am i doing wrong and asking for support uh seeking help sure. how does that process happen uh, sure targets are there everywhere i mean you have
1: to have targets I and mean, you generally have targets in your life as well like right? personally Today, I'm going to do this thing. Today, tomorrow, I'm going to do that thing. And uh, am I able to uh, have, I have to complete this particular task on this weekend and so on, right? So targets are something which drives, of course, but that shouldn't be the only driving factor. And so in my roles, uh, role uh, in different roles uh, at sales in different companies, uh, the first point I make it clear to everyone, every, each of the founders, each of the people who I work with that, okay, see, uh, targets is fine. But I'm not going to even look at these targets uh, uh, after we decide it at the start of the quarter, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to talk about this unless uh, uh, this comes up really on your agenda in some ways. But I'll achieve those targets. And uh, it has worked pretty well for me as well because then I'm just focused on the goal overall. So tell me the overall goal of the company, where it wants to reach, or the goal of the team, for example, if you're working with a large company, uh, where it wants to reach. And of course, targets have to be evaluated on a quarterly or a, in a six months basis or an annual basis, but you can't have the guy driving it all the time, right? So the way uh, I have seen it work is you have a mix of uh, giving some objectives in terms of where you want the company to reach or the team to reach, and then giving responsibility to, to each individual and saying that, okay, this is what I, I I want you to bring on the table. And this is where we are going to reach as a team. So that that is the way it has worked best for me. Uh, and it can also be in the way that uh, every individual is not driven by money. Uh, although the perception in the industry is that every salesperson is driven by money. That's why they are in the sales. I don't see that working. Uh, mm. Maybe more like uh, it's my own view, but I haven't seen that working because money is the only thing if it drives you, then you're going to take all the ways to achieve that money. And it could some okay. ways, sometimes it, it could even lead, land up you in an ethical uh, ways or means to reach that uh, target.
0: uh, in the process
1: yeah in the process and the third thing i have seen work also well especially where you are dealing with very large uh, enterprises and you are dealing in very long sales cycles you have you can't be as i said like you can't be closing the deal in one month or even in a quarter you're closing deals in one year and even sometimes more so then you have to see the progress in terms of what you're making every month
0: yes yes
1: and, okay. yeah, and how, how, how how are you placed in terms of so one thing my boss in like one of the companies used to tell me are you on top of things are you aware of everything that could go
0: wrong or right in this deal hmm. so, is that possible is that humanly possible to be aware of everything at
1: least most that of the things, go wrong? yeah overall it's possible so you have to be top on, on top of things so hmm. whatever is happening with the client let's say client has been acquired let's say and you are the la- you are knowing it through some news probably you are missing something yeah, right. Right. Uh, so, if you know that okay, this client, this prospect of yours getting acquired, your decision cycle goes a little away. Then next quarter, maybe, maybe in a year's time or six months time, you might close that deal. Hmm. So it's being aware about the overall uh, dynamics of the uh, how your deal is going as well.
0: You know, I I kind of want to also talk about talk a little bit about uh, other early stage founders. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, in my last company, I was working at a from a co-working space and i had a pleasure i had the opportunity to interact with a lot of other early stage founders as well and i see uh not all of them have the right skill sets when it comes to sales or either they're still exp- exploring right they don't they're not aware of the things that they need to do uh, which which kind of creeps into them you know not figuring out not being able to figure out okay how the hell do i sell my product and uh, that gives them a lot of trouble uh, you know those uh, sleepless nights what advice do you have for those guys who are uh, who, who are just recently starting out they are just you know right out of college they built a product and they're figuring out their first uh, sales mm-hmm. how do they start what do they do do should they go after low hanging fruits or uh, you know i was just reading uh this guy called uh uh, Dave Gerald, uh-huh. and he's he's quite popular on, on LinkedIn. He keeps uh, publishing on, uh, on various aspects of sales. And he said, uh, you should make a list of uh, you know the ten companies if you're just starting out. Just make a list of ten companies that you would love to work with, uh-huh. and ten companies you think you can make a sale to, and then try both. What do you think of this approach? Yeah, if you I... have your own approach towards doing this. What advice would you have for? This? Sure. So
1: see, if you have worked in some sort of a job previously uh you would have the idea of that particular business at least to start with and uh, if, if your product would be a right fit for that company or i mean your i mean generally in sales you start using your network first so that network could be on linkedin and he's pretty correct and the other thing is that uh you would also try to sell to somebody uh, uh, who needs your product as in like you understand very basic right you're trying to sell an enterprise software uh you would find the top 10 companies where you would want to reach out to if you don't don't get the dollars in terms of deals you'll at least get the feedback to build that product Right. So so start there, at least uh, I would say, again, uh, my uh, experience would be too kind of (laughs) small to kind of understand this in deeper respect. But generally, I've seen what works for me as well uh, is that, of course, you decide on your you start working in your personal network, trying to reach out to the people, you know, uh, who for whom this product or service could be useful. And uh, then uh, you list on the companies that you know people in. So uh, that's how basically you start. And then the next level would be, of course, uh, aspirational companies, the kind of companies that you'd want to work with as a startup or as a founder, and then reach out to them. So to the relevant personas uh, in those companies.
0: Okay, let's talk a little bit about pricing, because I also see a lot of early stage start- startups creating a product, mm-hmm. and they create a product without a PL. They want to give it out for free. They want people to try it out, which is all great, but it won't. It's not something which is sustainable. Right. So, uh, talk to us about pricing your product. Having the conviction and the courage to quote a price. Yeah. How does that process happen? How, at young, early stage companies, how do they decide upon the pricing of their product? What, what price should I sell? Should I even quote? Should I give a discount? <laughs> how do these conversations happen? So uh, you said it correctly. Actually, giving it for free is not going to make your business.
1: Uh, unless you are uh, selling a uh, free for product and you are advertising on top of that. So uh, if you are trying to sell an enterprise product to an enterprise uh, a company, uh, you'd have to charge something. So I would say for the first 10 customers, uh, even if you have to charge $1, I mean, and this is just for hypothetical number, I'm t- saying charge that $1 per month, but at mm. least ta- charge something. So my uh, within my experience, even if somebody, a very large company, and we, this I'm talking about very early days of our company, and somebody used to say that, okay, we are a big company and you can use our logo and all. I said, no, so all good. Thank you so much. But yeah, I'll charge even if you have to give 500 rupees uh, from your own uh, card, credit card, because we have to swipe your own card. Please do that favor to me because uh, I need to show some numbers, right? So otherwise, I don't see that. So it also brings that interest from the other side as well. It's right? somebody which is being offered for free. Uh, what sort of interest are you from the other value add? Yeah. So the guy will not give you time. Basically, only when you spend some money on something, uh, you are bound to give some time to that product or company or service.
0: Do it and he, will, and he will use it. He will give you feedback because now he thinks he has some skin in the game. Exactly. Exactly. You got it spot on. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, now we move to the last part of the interview. And uh, I want to ask you, uh, you know, who's your favorite business leader, somebody who you you look up to, who inspires you Uh uh, to be your best and to kind of emulate him, or maybe just learn from him and be yourself?
1: so uh, so I, I when i started like uh, I, I when i decided to enter in the it industry overall uh mr narayan Muti was real inspiration because the way he built up infosys and it insp- infosys right now I mean, it still is a big i mean a huge company and very aspirational but in those days like when i started my career it used to be like the infosys like if you kind of enter infosys you are there like everybody kind of aspires to be there so uh, now of course there are a lot of uh, Silicon Valley companies in India, which you want to go there, but uh, I start. I mean, my idol was Mr. Narayan Murthy, but of course, uh, when I actually entered industry and I said, okay, this is services business. No, I don't want to be there. (laughs) I want to be associated with some product companies probably, and then uh, I came. Started reading up uh, uh, content around uh, Silicon Valley and how startups work there. Uh, elon musk is something which i really like uh, admire him and the way he works and even if people can have 1% of courage that he has in starting companies we would be somewhere
0: wow and he also works for 18 hours a day which is quite crazy
1: <laughs> and he's so excited about all the things like i mean i mean just imagine the kind of businesses he has built it's, it's completely like nobody could even imagine doing that after and he could have just led a good life after selling mistakes in paypal right so yeah it's really inspirational and admiring in terms of what he's done
0: awesome okay any book recommendation for our listeners Anyone who's, whose ideas have inspired you, sure. Sure. Uh, motivated you. It could be a book on sales or it could be a book, <laughs> any book that you think. I wouldn't
1: recommend sales books because most of them are marketing and <laughs> people trying to sell stuff. So I wouldn't say that. You would eventually read up those if you're getting into sales. So if you, ha- I mean, I'm more focused on the entrepreneurship side of things. So I would say anybody who's starting uh, and do, in thinking of even doing a startup, you should read, read Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Uh, that is one book I definitely recommend. You can read multiple times and you'll get a different perspective about uh, startups and entrepreneurship every time. That, so that's one book I uh, that really kind of uh, interests me every time I read. And that's a couple of other more. I think the recent one uh, I read was around that Flipkart thing, billion dollar startup. That was pretty interesting as well. Uh, and, nice. yeah, and and the Flipkart is kind of the mothership or fathership of Indian startups or, or how it kind of became so big. I mean, there are startups before Flipkart. There are startups, of course, after after Flipkart
0: as well. But Flipkart is the Flipkart. Like, you learn a lot. Popular story about uh, the guys who initially, mm-hmm. uh, the core group of people who's, who created Flipkart. Nice. All of them have now branched out to create their own startups and successful ones.
1: Yeah, Flipkart mafia is the PayPal mafia they have in Silicon Valley. So, yeah, you uh, people, yeah, people have a lot of startups that have come out of Flipkart itself.
0: Okay. No, I want to go and tap into a personal aspect of your life, sure. which is about uh, having this this idea of having a purpose and that purpose driving you to make decisions in your life and do, do stuff. So do you think, have do you actively pay attention mm-hmm. to your purpose every time you're going out there um, and uh, trying to align your activities to that one purpose? Do you spend that time with you all alone where there is no kind of, there's just, just introspection and self-reflection. And if yes, you know, what is, if you can share with us what your purpose is, that would be great.
1: Sure. Uh, so there's no like big purpose as such in terms of uh, what I want to do. But yeah, generally what I have seen is like all this ex- years of experience. So if you can work or if I can work uh, uh, without worrying about earning uh, money from something, uh, that is going to be the ultimate stage I w- where I want to reach. So, uh, so I, uh, of course, as you said, like I don't reflect upon it like every day or every weekend or something, but once in a while, uh, I'll do still uh, kind of go back and say, am I kind of uh, working on that, uh, reaching there at some point of time? So that's what kind of drives me in terms of, uh, can I reach a stage in, let's say, two years, three years, 10 years, uh, where I can be a stage where I don't have to worry about money, I can just work on something which I want to work on and that, hmm. that's the way I think that would be like nirvana for me in terms of where I want to reach as a person and as a professional as well
0: awesome Sachin I think that was uh, a great note to uh, end this interview on I thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time and sharing your learnings and insights with the, uh, with people and our listeners uh, many of whom um, you know the whole idea of kind of crafting your own career is at the center of why, why I do this podcast I think people will learn a lot from your experience, ideas, Hopefully. and feel inspired to do something amazing in their lives.
1: Thank you so much, uh, Rohit, for having me on this podcast. And uh, it will pleasure to, uh, it has been a pleasure to interact with you. And uh, all the, some of the questions I was not actually prepared, but yeah, I, I kind of discovered myself uh, in some ways as well. Thank you. Thank you so much.